We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. I'm your host, Carlo Navas, back from my suspension of the Five Reasons Podcast Network, Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham's uh, podcast network. They suspended me for my horrible Magic Johnson take uh, two weeks ago, and they exiled me to Japan. It could have been a worse uh, suspension. I enjoyed it, but I'm back. Uh, my, for those of you who don't know, my Magic Johnson take was Magic would get throttled in today's NBA. And with that, I welcome you to the program. Today, we have on the show, statistician and pun master, Nikias Duncan. What's up? We have our Photoshopper and other statistician, Christian Hernandez. You know, today, Ed Warder should have really stuck to sports. Ed Warder should have really stuck to sports. <laughs> and we have our guest today, Sarah. Welcome to the program. Did I say it right? I'm so scared. Yeah, I think you got it there. Sarah. it. Okay, see, I'm yeah. ba- I told you, names terrify me. Uh, Sarah, tell the people where they can find you, where they can read your work, uh, what, what you do to kind of introduce yourself to this new audience. Sure. Um, my name is Sirit. I think we just, uh, we went over that <laughs> yeah. a couple times. <laughs> and, um, I am a staff writer at SB Nation where I cover the NBA. I'm usually just, uh, either working on features or covering whatever the, uh, the new cycle deems that I cover I actually just started, uh, started two weeks ago. So we're still really, we're figuring out what, what things are going to look like, but, uh, Right now, it is. It's looking like, looking like some Kawhi, really. That's, that's Kawhi. what we're all really in wait for. And some Colangelo. And some Colangelo. It was, what, did you start like around the same time as when that story broke? Because that's that sounds about two weeks ago. Uh, I 
was, I think I started right after that. I started, well, I, I technically started a little bit earlier than I was supposed to because I wanted to go to two games, one and two of the finals. And that's, that's technically, I guess, I guess when you can say I started. I think that was, that was about a week after or around the same time. I think, you know, people were making jokes about it while I was there. So, you know, it's all, it's all a mush. It's all a mush. Everything, I, it, I feel like it was both yesterday and two years ago that that happened. Time kind of, you know what's funny about the Brian Colangelo thing is that we were like obsessed with that, like as soon as it happened, all of NBA Twitter. And we immediately, not 24 hours later, shifted to J.R. Smith and we were obsessed with J.R. Smith. And well, like, that's kind of how it goes, right? <laughs> like one day, like the the biggest story of the season gets buried by the next biggest story of the season. Equally stupid or more stupid. I don't know. Just as stupid? Mm, uh, you know, one of those... Uh, J.R. Smith made a mistake in the heat of the moment. Brian Colangelo <laughs> or his... Brian, Cla- Brian Colangelo's wife, rather, made a decision to keep on posting over and over again for... I don't know, at least a year. So I think we're going to go with the calculated decision-making that really never <laughs> moved the needle in one direction up until the point that they got caught. And I still, I'm not, I'm still not totally convinced that it was all Brian's wife. There was one, there, there was one, um, one account there that was kind of particularly misogynistic in a way that only men are. Like, I know, I understand that women can hate women from time to time, but uh, it was like, it was in response to like something uh, the reporter, ESPN reporter Ramona Shelburne tweeted about uh, about like a, a woman getting ahead in something. I can't remember what, can't even remember what it was. But the the response from one of the burners was like, "Why do we have to talk about how it's women? Why can't it, it can just be people?" And that's like a very specifically male complaint. <laughs> that's very. <laughs> that is so. Like, that is, it is not the type of misogyny that you see from a woman. <laughs> just, I'm just, you know, my, that one got my spidey senses tingling. I was like, this is definitely a dude. <laughs> you can spot these things. Yeah. <laughs> and then Ed Warder, you know, was so stupid and stepped in that today. And then I'm like, why? Like, why are we? I don't understand why we're doing that. Like, it's, that's, a, that's actually a fantastic. That makes for a fantastic segue. Such a good segue. You saw that? That was professional. Yeah. Up until the point that I pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the good segue. You have to point out the good segue. That's true. Or else That's it's... true. To give you so, so you didn't show her the show sheet because I thought you had. We have a show sheet. Nikai, you know what's funny? Uh, <laughs> Nikias always makes show sheets and um, and we never use them. I think we're actually going to use the show sheet today. Oh, okay. You excited, Nikias? Did I set that up? Yeah. Awesome. You know, Nikias, I think, didn't you? Nikias was on. Uh, so we're on the Five Reasons Podcast Network, as previously mentioned, which is a network of podcasts for everything Miami, ranging from pop culture to the Dolphins and Three Yards Per Carry to Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham flagship Five Reasons, which, by the way, Udonis Haslam sat down with 45 minutes with Ethan and told all sorts of stories from every anything from him growing up to the big three days to what he said to Lance Stevenson on the bench that LeBron had to hold him back to uh, him giving Tyler Hansborough the business to uh, to today. So, like, that podcast is very – it encompasses everything, and it's tremendous. Even if you're not a Heat fan, like, UD's been around, and he's played with Shaq, Gary Payton, Antoine Walker, LeBron, Chris Bosh, Mike Miller, Shane Battier, Ray Allen – uh, Dion Waiters, uh, Mario Chalmers. There's a range of characters on the you, team. You couldn't forget Dion. 
This week on the Five Reasons Podcast, join for a wide-ranging, fun, and funny interview with Udonis Haslam of the Miami Heat. I remember growing up, you know, I used to stay in um, Lake Nassau Apartments. Now they call it Crystal Lake. You know, this is in Kara I moved around a little bit, and I remember being at the park. And, um, you know, I got into it with this little kid, and he punched me in the mouth and ran and knocked my tooth out. And I, I couldn't find him. I was so pissed off I couldn't find him. He ran, he knocked my tooth out and ran. And I went home, and my dad, my tooth was knocked down. He saw me crying, and he told me, if I don't come home, if I don't go outside and find that kid and kick his ass, if I come home, I'm going to get my ass whooped by him. I looked for that kid for three hours, and when I found him, I kicked his ass. Check out that interview and much more on the Five Reasons podcast, available on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. I can't, dude. It, we're going to remember Dion forever. Like, he fans are going to remember him forever. Well, oh, yeah, obviously, you guys are. You had him on the cap sheet for like another three years. So. <laughs> yeah, don't remind <laughs> us. Do the Raptors want him? No, I think they don't. Got, I think we've got pretty much the best version that Dion can be in Demar. So, and that, <laughs> that even that is like, you know, that's not really an experience anybody's uh, p- particularly starving. For. Is that his final form? Is Dion's final form Demar? <laughs> well, still no, because he's got he's got he's got more gusto. He's uh, I actually interviewed Dion for the start of the season. He's pretty cool. I don't want to hate on him too. No, much. everyone oh. says said that. And like he's <laughs> yeah. mad chill. He's super cool. Like he's a really yeah, nice guy. He's just guy. he's Dion. <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> probably should have gotten ankle surgery. Probably. That's still the we- guys, I mean, Chris, that's still the weirdest thing ever. And we're still not like over that. Well, now I can't get over that she compared Dion to DeMar DeRozan, who is apparently who the Heat are somewhat looking at this offseason, and now I just don't know what to do with myself. <laughs> the Spider-Man tea leaves. Me. The tea well, leaves. I, I, feel like, I feel like DeMar kind of seems like a Pat Riley guy. Like, Pat Riley just looks and, like, sees the, the killer and, like, might – I don't know. Pat's pretty discerning, though. He might he might be able to uh, to discern bad shot selection from uh, from being – No, he can't. Like Ariza wants fifty million dollars and Riley's licking his chops. Like I can give that to you. <laughs> like, like that's dangerous. Like we gotta keep like the internet away from him so he doesn't see these role players that want money in years. True, sure. Like, so bizarre. Um. So going going to Demar. Like I I don't know who I think it was. Um. I think it was Matt Moore of um of CBS. But somebody was talking about when a guy gets traded. You know, you look at the fan base, and if the fan base misses a guy that's traded, or if they don't miss the guy that just traded, i.e. Rodney Hood, that's a sign of, like, what you're getting. If DeMar's gone, like, how are Raptors fans going to experience that? Because I know some Heat fans have really talked themselves into DeMar. Some haven't. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm wondering, like, Raptor fans going to be, like, mad or sad about that? Or, like, they're going to be, like, it's time to move on. Yeah, I think uh, I think there's two very distinct sides to to rappers fandom. The one side is the sort of perpetual little brother syndrome. It's always going to think, you know, Demar was the first. The they're okay. The rappers are basically like this team that you know had a makeover over summer, and then the first day of school. A guy that they thought was cute asked them to prom, and now they have way, way surpassed that standard, but are still kind of stuck in that mindset. And that's kind of where a lot of rappers' fans are with Demar. And there's this like, there's this, kind of this insecurity that you know, free agents won't come to Toronto, and you got to stick with what you have because it's not like this is the like, it's not like the rappers like the Lakers or you know. I, I, I want to mention other big market teams, but it's not like the big markets are exactly thriving the NBA right Chicago now. Chicago is another one, and they, like, who the hell, you know, 
<laughs> New York. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> and Toronto's such a nicer city than New York and Chicago. I disagree. You disagree? I Toronto's one of my favorite I places. Toronto. I mean, like obviously I love Toronto. It's like it's one of my favorite places. Though. I have I have no designs on on moving, but Chicago is just a completely different experience than than most cities that you'll ever go to. Chicago is actually a lot like Toronto. It's Except uh, colder. it's only like the one of the one of the biggest visual differences is just that Toronto tears down all its all of its buildings, and uh, and Chicago <laughs> has done a great job of not doing that, and now has the most beautiful architecture in like any North American city. I was that's anyway. Pretty, that's actually <laughs> really true, but I didn't know we were to start talking about architecture. Yeah, we have everything here on the Heat Beat and the Five Reasons Podcast Network. Mm-hmm. I wasn't prepared for this. That wasn't on the show <laughs> sheet. <laughs> Not on the show sheet. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our newest ad partner that, like us, is Puramente Miami. That's Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks away from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention Miami Heat Beat when you call 305 308-1129 or come in will work with a dedicated manager not a salesperson unlike other dealers Doral Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying service unlike LeBron who's not transparent at all and he kind of snakes his way around the league that's Doral Toyota DoralToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street Se habla Español aquí in Doral Toyota Mm-hmm. No, but like, oh, see, we're we're already getting off the rails. Like, the, the show sheet is done. This is we're just going to talk about architecture for the rest of the podcast now. This show this should be called which, off the rails. And which NBA free agent, free agents will be attracted to the best architecture city? Oh, that's a good question. I'm all in with Shane Battier when he used to play. True. Oh, God, yeah, yes. yeah, he seems like he'd be. Dion yeah. would not care. Dion yeah. wouldn't care. Dion just wants money. Uh, Dion's. Yeah, he's. I'm. I'm sure Dion's. Totally happy building his house by the beach right now. Dion. With a lot of bricks. Caius! Caius, the man is hurt. <laughs> well, the man should have got surgery when he was hurt. I don't know. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily blame that only on Dion. Dion was trying to get paid, and you know. That's life. He paid, he did get. Paid, yeah. he did get. I think there's just kind of an under, underrated thread with the, with the heat is really perpetually injured but also not willing to uh to go away from this whole idea that we have two-hour practices and run our players to the ground and it's totally fine this is a heat culture and if you don't uh if you don't like it you're not one of us it's oh, continually uh, end up missing the playoffs or with the eight seed isn't that amazing how they've propagated that into like something good I mean, I think, for, I think for a long time it probably was. The NBA has changed so much that you can't just you just can't do it anymore. I no, I think it still works. I mean, if you look around the league, like when Zach Lowe has those podcasts and he's like, talk to many players. They really like Miami and they really believe in like culture and blah blah blah. Like, and they've had a history even up, up until recently that they get free agents, either big name or or the middling mm-hmm. guy. Like Miami's always in the room. Like yeah. Riley's, oh, and it's not just Riley. Like Miami's always in the room. Like when there's a free agent, Gordon Hayward. Even Miami's, I mean, Miami's situation has been terrible for the last since LeBron left. Maybe 
directly after when they were, you know, they were pretty close when Luol Deng before Chris Bosh's clots mm-hmm. happened. But, you know, since then, they've been pretty abysmal positions and they've been in rooms with Kevin Durant, with Gordon Hayward when they have no business being in a room with them. Well, I mean, yeah, I, think, I, think... I think having three titles in like the last, what, 12 years, I think will always kind of give you a certain amount of credit. Spurs um, aren't in those rooms. Spurs are in some rooms. Some rooms, but not all of them. Miami's in all of them. No, but I mean, when the Spurs, I mean, the Spurs have historically not really wanted to be in a lot of rooms either. So there's, you, know, you got to kind of count that part into it as well. Uh, this summer we'll probably be dealing with this with the Spurs, but oh, you lose, you lose LeBron, Bosch, and Wade, and you still kind of find a way to be competitive. I think that's that's reasonable. You could always end up like Cleveland instead. So there's. Okay, it's just kind of. I think some of they've had, they've definitely had some missteps. I think if they talk a lot about about their culture, but I think if they if they had bought it, bought into it more and just recycled some of these free agents that they'd signed, well, would have been, been a better idea. That, yeah, we've been saying like they didn't really bet on their culture, so instead of getting mm-hmm. other like fringe free agents and doubling down on smaller contracts on prove it deals, they extended the guys that they brought in, and mm-hmm. we've always had the conversation of. Is it them? Because, like, Riley was at a crossroad. So after Dwayne, LeBron made everything messy. Then the Dwayne mm-hmm. divorce was very messy. And the Chris Bosh thing was very messy. So Miami had taken an enormous PR hit, that front office, who had done everything for years in, quote-unquote, the right way. So mm-hmm. Miami takes this massive PR hit. They sign all these guys, James Johnson, Dion Waiters, Wayne Ellington, like these, you know, journeymen. They put together mm-hmm. pretty improbable second half of the year. They just missed the playoffs. They're competitive. They're fun. They're winning at they're winning against Golden State at the buzzer. They're doing all sorts of crazy things, you know, that second half. Everybody's talking about culture. That's kind of like the second half of the of the they had what, the third or fourth best record? And mm-hmm. they missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Then they signed those guys to long deals. And a part of it is like it, Riley was in a position where I kind of have to reward these guys for what they did because my my reputation is ruined. Like I have to show loyalty to players because what Dwayne said is out the door is they don't care about me. LeBron's left and ruined every, like Chris Bosh was very messy divorce saying that, you know th- with the differences between the front front office and himself. So the front office put into the position that they gave these bad contracts, well, eh, contracts rather uh to eh, players mm-hmm. long term in a way to, at least I think, in a way to rehabilitate this broken image. And and to an extent, it's worked because I think that they've really shaken off a lot of that PR stuff. Mm -hmm. Dwayne coming back has, and Dwayne talking about them ad nauseum since he's left helps. LeBron mentioning them, you know, here and there has helped. But I do think that thinking about it now, like those contracts, there's a little more to it than just, you know, giving role players a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because you look at m- most of those deals and, like, what's the most immovable one? Probably probably Whiteside, also just given, like, the way the NBA has changed. And, uh, Is the most unmovable? Yeah. Yeah, Has- yeah. Hassan or Dion, I imagine. Well, Dion's is like, come on, like Dion at Because of the injury. Million. Because of the injury. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Tyler Johnson, that deal. I don't know how they're yeah. going to Oh, yeah, that deal. Well, and that also <laughs> has, uh, it has a trade kicker, which does not help either. That's the one that, I mean, Bo- Hassan, the Hassan deal is going to be really hard, too. I mean, the only way I can see them getting rid of 
one of them is if they're going to get like one of these stars in a trade because they're capped out. But that would mean that San Antonio or Cleveland want one of them, which I don't. I, that's like that's for me. That's what I don't see. Or Toronto, if they want to like trade for DeRozan or whatever. Like I, I don't see how they get someone to take that contract, and they don't have picks to give. They have. I mean, team. yeah, I don't see how the Raptors of the Nick Nurse era want to uh, want yeah. signed by any means. Maybe Tyler, but not at that money. No, definitely not Dion. <laughs> Like you don't you don't trade Demar Derozan to to get Dion Waiters. <laughs> yeah, Masai, I I know Demar's gone, but look what we got. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Chris, what were you gonna say? No, I was just gonna say that I would think that the Spurs would be a somewhat like rational trade partner uh, with Miami, just because you know they kind of have similar cultures. They both probably. You know, especially guys, a guy like James Johnson would probably be really attractive to somebody like Greg Popovich. Um, I mean, I feel like they could make something work. I just don't know how, if okay. Miami would entertain, including the young guys, which they would have to. What were you saying? Sarah? Uh, no, I was just uh, I was just going to cut it, cut it and say, like, I'm sure Pop sees a value in James Johnson type of guy, but I also think Pop is like, Probably also to an extent thinks that he can make guys like James Johnson happen for much cheaper. I agree. I think think probably the more attractive guy for Pop would be Goron because that would allow them to remain competitive. And I'm I'm not sure Mm -hmm. that the Spurs would want to just like be a bad team or be a like a nine. And Goron's such a spur. He's such a spur. He's such a spur. He's such a spur. He also also like completely. Didn't he? what did he have that like twenty point quarter against in the playoffs? Was it the Spurs or was that the Mavs? It was the Spurs when he was, when he was on the Suns. Yeah, yeah. That, maybe you know, there's like memories of that. Maybe Pop's Doc Rivers will kick in and be like, "Hey, I got to sign this guy." <laughs> that's <laughs> low key my favorite sweep ever. <laughs> I think that I think that series was a sweep. That was the game that Nash got his el- his eye elbow shot. Oh yeah, and Steve did. Nash is drilling threes with one eye. I miss Steve, Steve Nash so much. Steve Nash is so cool. I miss him. He was great. Want to do a Steve yeah, Nash with you guys? <laughs> Let's go. Hey guys, you've been quiet, man. Let's go. We, t- we talked about getting your usage up. Hey, man, I'm letting y'all carry the conversation. You got right to you get your usage up. Isn't the best yeah. testament to Steve Nash to actually keep your usage down? See, she's got you on that one. Did Steve yeah, Nash keep his usage down? He, he, he yeah, did he not a shoot a lot. Yeah. yeah, but he was always really. Well, he did. He, I'm sure he ended a lot of possessions, but yeah, he was. Speaking, I mean, if he was, I, I always, I was always a little bit frustrated with how little he shot. To be honest, I, I always thought that he should be trying to score more. He's like a forty percent shooter. That wasn't, that was yeah. giving the other guys the threes. But I mean, people don't remember that Steve Nash was one of the greatest jump shooters of all time at the time. Still is, honestly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's true. Forty ninety guy, not not on easy shots. A lot of them pull ups. Just weird shots. He had probably probably the weirdest, but technically fundamentally sound sort of shooting style that I've ever really seen, especially around the paint. He had all kinds of scoops and floaters around the rim. Mm-hmm. His highest ever usage was twenty four. Yeah, it's pretty low. Pretty much, he hovers around t- like twenty one for most of his career. I'm pretty sure Dwayne Wade still had 30 when he was back with Miami. 
Wasn't he at like 40 or something in the fourth quarter? <laughs> something like that. Nikaias, how mad were you, like, them living and dying with D-Wade garbage at the end? Uh, well, it was frustrating just because that's just not how I like to see what offense devolves into. But, like, that was also where Miami was because he was, like, the only reliable shot creator on the team, which is also why Philly blew Miami out of the water. But, um, yeah, what was it, game three that he kind of saved everyone? Game two. Game two. Yeah, it was the one game they won, right? It was game two. Yeah. That was the best game ever. I was living and dying. I felt so alive. I've never oh, been happier. <laughs> First round series, I was living. But, no, I can't even talk too much about Dwayne in that playoff series. Like, he was – what second or third best player? He had a he usage was... of thirty in Miami uh, this year, higher than any usage that Steve Nash has ever had. <laughs> of course he did. Yeah, I mean this this actually might be where I think Miami fans wouldn't hate Demar because he kind of he kind of has everything that ails this offense. Yeah, he's the he would easily be Miami's best shot creator. Yeah, and they desperately need someone that can consistently puncture defenses. Right, I think playing like with within a disciplined system with a lot of movement, the way that the way that Spode likes to set things up, and you know, just having guys around him that are actually legitimately strong defensively, not like the fake way that Toronto was good defensively, mitigate <laughs> a lot of a lot of their problems. I, I mean, a lot. Of Mars problems, rather, like the things that you kind of you kind of don't like about him, might actually, you know, play up in Miami system. I don't really like him as a passer in that system because Spo really likes to use that guard that that penetrates and probes or is up top in the pick and roll as a like a, a ball distributor, and that's not Demar's strong suit. It's not, but he's also he's grown a lot in that. No, he's better, absolutely. But I would say that he's not much better than Dion. In that, I mean, guys, maybe I mean I know that you've seen both a lot. Um, I would give Demar a slight edge. I think what makes Dion a better fit for the system is that Dion is a more willing passer than Demar is, even though Demar has grown weird, into a more a weird talented sentence. one. It, <laughs> a very weird sentence. But yeah, like Demar has added just about every pass in pick and roll outside it's like of like, podcast from two thousand eight. Really, <laughs> that's what we do here. Listen. I've done shows on the 2009 Heat team that I'm like obsessed with. Like we, we, we we're uh, we're throwback. We do weird stuff. Weird that shows. was that was Wade's best year, right? That yes. That team, yeah. No, the year after too. The year after is actually my favorite year. Then 0910 team when they played the Celtics in the first round. Wade, Wade's like just a absolute like statistic. Like we kind of had a had like a LeBron versus a Warriors type of series against the Celtics. Like just get swept, but absolutely kill them and and go off for for four straight games. His numbers that, that was, series that was an underrated Wade series. He no, was, it was incredible. Was, and then when he hit that game winner to win the one game, I think that they won in that series. Or did they get swept in that? No, one? they they won one. The one game that they oh, won is bad. when he had forty six when he started like bombing right. threes everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yes. So in that series, I can't believe we're doing the show. Uh, he had a <laughs> he had a true Dwayne Wade had a true shooting percentage of sixty five. Jesus, um, Jesus. thirty three averaging thirty three points per game, seven assists, six rebounds, steal and a half, block and a half. A half. He was bonkers, he was bonkers that series. That series. What a sicko! Forty two minutes. Poor Dwayne. <laughs> Dwayne was out there with Darrell Wright. <laughs> Right, we know why he completely fell off after 
Right? No, because his next year was good. It was the year after. Like he was the first big three year. He was still great, and uh, and then he just totally fell off a cliff. Like like I remember, you know, he used to be like automatic in transition, especially like on a fast break. Like he was either getting fouled or he was getting a dunk. And in the eleven twelve year, that just stopped. Like he was on a fast break and like he was not getting fouled or he was like pulling back and like waiting for the offense to set. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Like, where is Dwayne Wade? I miss him. Yeah. I guess Dude. it happened that fast. I was always, I was associated with, uh, with their third year, like his, his steep decline. But I mean, when was it that, what, that Bosch kind of became the second best player on that team? Like, would you say it was Probably second? the last year? Well, yeah. I don't know the, this. I mean, Bosch became a much better defender than Dwayne. By right. the second champ, by the first championship, I think, like it had left Dwayne a lot. Like I think Dwayne was kind of on the LeBron system, like he was this year, that not really trying on every possession, and kind of at the end of games is when Dwayne gave it the effort. Boss was out there giving effort on defense at all times. Um, yeah. yeah, and I mean those last couple of years were the years that Dwayne was missing a lot of games. Like Bosch was taking a much heavier load, which I think you know should be included as well. And you're like you said, he was so important to their defense at that point. I mean he was going out and you know hedging on every single pick and roll and forcing them to you know to basically break the play they want to go to. Like he was. People don't remember how good Chris Bosh was. I'm curious on how that would work on the Warriors, like, now. Because Miami used to play, like, a really heavy, aggressive trap. But, like, it's the best <laughs> trap defense I've ever seen. But the Warriors killed traps. But they also never faced traps like that. And then they had, like, the the other the bigs that had the foot speed to recover. And they yeah. had size. So, like, I'm really curious like on a, how that would have looked. Be like a something's got to give sort of situation. Interesting. Like, I, I mean, I, I also... And I, I think this year's... The, the, like, the, Heat, the Heat would have probably beat this year's Warriors team, I think. Oh, I love Maybe this take. Last. I love this take. I'm here for this. The guys, you're smiling. What are you thinking? Oh, I'm just, I want to hear the reasoning. I'm I do too. I'm here. Way to ingratiate yourself to the audience. They're going to love you. Yeah, I mean, okay, let's, like, I think, I think Bosch would have, let's, uh, they probably switched their their coverages a little bit. Like uh, we have to, I think we have to make a little bit of a correction for the era. Like I don't necessarily want to say that they'd be trapping all the time. Probably some selective trapping. But when I think about a guy that you'd be totally fine with switching on to onto Kevin Durant, but like also kind of live with on Curry, like Chris Bosh is a pretty good answer. That like the, you usually don't have a guy who can who can reasonably do both, and I think he could. Wade is a guy that can definitely like get down lower in post-ups. Mm-hmm. Shane Battier, incredible switchability. Oh, like there's... That lineup could have switched and hounded the Warriors a lot, I think. And they have more than enough athleticism to to actually, you know, run on them and, uh, and not get punished for it. Yeah, and, you know, kind and of like what I LeBron... Also, I think that the Warriors, like, this year coming up against adversity just been like oh, shit well <laughs> <laughs> well well damn you know those, those yeah. memes it's like with the guy poking a stick do yeah, something yeah i mean they just like they, they look like a team that where if, if if somebody was good enough to give them a real punch and i mean houston before they lost chris paul looked like they were gonna do it like they, they look like they were ready to go down like, the real like the real question becomes or is this is that houston team better and more versatile defensively than that Heat team, I don't think that's even close. Particularly because LeBron's defensive ability, like when yeah. you're getting that 
Battier or like Battier LeBron trap or that boss LeBron trap, those are two guys that have length and that can recover off the swing. And then when you pass, Dwayne and Chalmers are sharking those passing lanes. Mm-hmm. And if and if they jump, they have another guy ready to rotate. Like Spolster used to call it, like everybody's on the rope. And one of them, by the way, like the most careless passing team that I've ever seen. That's another thing. Also true, yeah. And I will say to that point with Miami's defense against Golden State, if Draymond Green isn't hitting threes like he did for basically the entire season, then I don't know how effective the death lineup is. I don't know how. Oh, much I mean, like, and Miami could have very easily adjusted to that death, death lineup. I think. And I like, it Miami... wouldn't be the same deal as it was in Cleveland, where like they unlock this thing and then it's over. Like, it's just they, there's just so much more versatility in that lineup. Yeah, I mean, so... that, that death lineup would have Andre and Dre and Draymond. So, I mean, you just trap everybody that isn't those two guys, and if those guys get open shots, you live with it. Like, yeah. And the other thing is, like, also, I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to compare Curry to to even MVP year Rose. Like, Curry is just a much better player. But LeBron ate Rose's lunch defending him. Yes. I think, I think Derrick Rose ended up averaging like one point eight points per per fourth quarter when they played the Bulls. Like, he was just complete shell of himself. And I mean, Rose is an incredibly athletic guy who could pretty much get anywhere on the floor. At that point in his career, and LeBron was just like, "No." They, so if you get that defensive, LeBron, they neutralized him. Like LeBron, yeah. and LeBron would do that. Like when LeBron was, there would come a point in, in most series that LeBron had to go guard somebody, and that person mm-hmm. ceased being an issue. Yeah, and 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 when LeBron had that speed, the smaller guys just they had no ch- they had no chance. He had like seventy five pounds on them, and and five inches, and they had no speed advantage. Do you guys remember in those Indiana series when they would try to give George Hill five minutes of rest by playing DJ Augustine, and it would be a catastrophe because they, Le- LeBron would bully the hell out of him, and they would just that guy, he was he was a turnover machine, like mass producing turnovers, and they could not get George Hill any rest that series. You guys remember? Yeah, I, I don't. Sorry, they, they were like they were. That they goes were so way scared. past my uh, memory. <laughs> <laughs> that was the whoa way back. We're gonna get to Indiana Pacer backup point guards. I was gonna Z. try to fake it, but then I and I was like, okay, no, it's, it's, it's this fine. point in the offseason. It's off still season. safe. I don't know this. LeBron hasn't LeBron <laughs> hasn't jump started the new cycle yet, so we're talking about old old Heat stories. Yeah, it's true. I mean, this is actually like, this is pretty good use for a podcast. Like ten days after the finals, and we're just waiting for shit to go down. Yeah, yeah. You're just talking, you know, comparing eras and. You know, you know, you know what's funny? I was talking to Justin Rowan of Fear the Sword and um, how, like, he, he he says, today I feel better that LeBron may come back because, you know, Cleveland's now trying to get Kawhi or trying to get some help for LeBron. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, buddy, listen, when we were da- when LeBron was down here in 2014, every other day there was new news. And I don't know if you guys remember that news cycle, but that was probably one of the most insane like times as a sports fan even more than when he first came because when he was leaving we tracked not only two planes we were decoding website colors (laughs) we were calling the rusty pelican here in keeping in miami which is like the crustiest whitest restaurant in like the whole city and we're like trying to find out who the hell is there uh, we're deep we're talking about cupcake colors that remember the website that it was like we still kind of do that no, we still do that. Yeah, I mean it's the best. That's like what other sport gives you that? 
I mean, the Reddit, the, the Sixers story, and then how Twitter just basically solved the whole damn thing in like 18 hours. That was amazing. <laughs> I mean, see, th that's the beauty of the internet right there. Like, once you mm -hmm. get people interested and they have the means to do some digging themselves, dude, some people are crazy. They'll just be there all night going through thousands of tweets just waiting to see if a special one pops up, you know? <laughs> Yeah, no, I went, I went down, I went down one of those uh, like a, a week ago. I'll tell you guys about it after we're, after we're all here. <laughs> oh, a, a tease for us, yes. but yeah, like the the internet, like and and that was at. I mean, we were already at, at peak Twitter at that point when LeBron was even. So like every day, like we're then the LeBron car thing. George Sedano is driving around Coconut Grove, seeing like moving cars for LeBron. And we're like, does he do this all the time? And oh my god, my one of my really close real life friends is actually the one yes. who broke that story by tweeting it out. And I think that tweet oh of his god. still to this day has like six thousand likes or something like that. But yeah, when I, when he sent it to me, I'm like, dude, it's probably just a coincidence relax he's like no man he's gone because he's like the really exaggerated type of fan that he just like blows everything out of proportion but he was right he was a hundred percent right alex shout out to you you were a hundred percent right <laughs> and we got left with danny granger so that's oh, how that went. the best transition defender who ever lived <laughs> did I'm danny green die oh i'm sorry i thought you meant danny green oops danny green danny granger will forever have that christmas game Heat lifer. It's true. Heat lifer. Where's Brian to play lifer, not a lifer? That's the best. Danny Green. Uh, sorry, Danny Green. Tom's lifer. Uh, Dwayne Wade is my favorite, but Dwayne Wade. He was Dwayne Wade over there. <laughs> Do you know the story? Um, when he came back to Miami, when he spoke to R Riley, called him, and mm -hmm. Dwayne picked up, and then Riley said, "No more pancakes for you." Yeah, I do remember that. That's a great line. Mm -hmm. loves and he fat. dropped to like he dropped to uh, less than nine percent body fat in like two weeks, basically, and then ended up going from like was, I was writing a story about uh, about Dwayne, and I was talking to Spo, and he was saying that he uh, when he came in, he was he had like the worst body fat percentage on anybody <laughs> in the team, and like I think I think I talked to Spo maybe four weeks after he'd come back or maybe three like around that range and he was already right back in the middle of the pack so i don't know it's really interesting like i i, re I really really like Dwayne wade so i didn't want like i don't want to question his dedication to win a championship especially when the like when the guy you're talking about is Dwayne wade but hello we there like, what are you doing down there? I mean, it's not like Cleveland is, like, this this haven <laughs> for good food. And, like, it's just so, like, it's just so irresistible. You have to try it all, you know? It's not like, a foodie metropolis. I, no, it really isn't. It really isn't. It's going to Applebee's and IHOBs. <laughs> <laughs> well, when LeBron came to Miami, he went to a Houston's in Coral Gables, and he was, like, the happiest guy on earth. Do you guys remember that, Christian? When who went to Applebee's? When um, when no, when now when LeBron went to Houston's when he first came to Miami. Oh yeah, well man, that was probably like a whole different world that for was like him. The, and, Houston, and Houston's isn't even that good here. Houston's like a chain restaurant that LeBron had never <laughs> seen before, and it was he was like the happiest guy. He's loving the spinach dip. That's funny. It's a good spinach dip though. God, I miss those times. Now we're talking about now we're doing shows on Dion Waiters and Dwayne Wade's body fat. Yeah, the waiters has the way Wade's body fat. 
<laughs> oh my god. Okay, so we haven't talked a lot of Kawhi, and I do want to talk some Kawhi because um that that is so topical. So we have been discussing um Nick guys, I don't think you've been on the shows that I've talked about this, but like I'm of the opinion that the package of Justice Winslow, Josh Richardson, and Bam Adebayo with a first-round pick is a hell of a lot better than a lot of that other garbage that people are throwing around to, like, get Kawhi. And it, maybe it might be that I, like, I think more highly of Justice and J-Rich. But, I mean, I don't like the, that those Laker packages that I'm seeing. That I don't see that they're much better than what Miami offers. So I'm kind of wondering from, from an outsider's perspective, like, am I just being a homer or... Um, well, I mean, I think I think the Lakers would kind of just have to trump any offer because they are in the Western Conference. We've heard all day that they don't want to give Kawhi to a Western Conference team, which I think is I think that's more than reasonable. I also just think that you know, in the grand scheme of potential offers, it just doesn't. I don't think really anything Miami can offer or LA can offer can can really compete. To be honest, with with Boston and, and Philadelphia, you mean? Yeah, but like, what's a great Philadelphia offer? Because like, what do we like? We like Fultz and Sarik. Like, we like them that much. I mean, Fultz was the number one pick last year, and it's you know he showed his flashes. And I think if there's anybody in the NBA that you'd look at and say, hey, this is a young player that might be a completely different guy with a with a change of scenery, it'd probably be Markel Fultz. I mean, do you really? If you if you're in the Spurs shoes, like who on Miami is pushing the needle for you when? When last year's number one pick is on the table. Oh, no, listen. Like, my thing is, is that I don't really think that anybody's... I think Boston's probably would offer the the best offer. I think that's the offer that Miami for sure can't beat. But the Philadelphia offer, right. like, you're not, what? like... You're giving me Markel Fultz. Which, by the way, and I've, I've said this before, like, I don't know how sure, like, we are that Markel Fultz is good. He's a guy that played in a small school that didn't make the tournament. And, like, if you're good in that sport, you make the tournament. And he's playing in the NBA and short-circuited. So, like, I think there are legitimate question marks on, is this guy actually good? And if you're – you don't, like – I don't know. You don't give up a generational talent. Like, Kawhi is one of the best wing defenders that this league has ever had. And you're going to give that up for a question mark? Like, and and not that Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson is, like, a way better package. But, like, that the Philadelphia package is so attractive that people say, like, of Sarek and and Fultz. And I'm like, ah. I'm not really too sure about that. Well, I think uh, I think adding Sarge into the mix definitely helps, but I, I don't know. I just I'm not really ready to to be that low on on faults yet. Like you, you make good points. I mean, I don't. I, it's it is the small school thing is definitely a compelling point, but at the same time, like I think I've seen a, enough of faults this year, just especially his athleticism to show. Yeah, I can. They can really. I think they'd be able to mold him into something. Is like his scoring ability is clearly there. His explosion, the paint is definitely there. And there's also the matter of seventy sixers have more draft picks. And that's the attractive. Yeah. Player. Yeah. But so do the Celtics. I, right. Yeah, yeah, and and the Celtics. Uh, the Celtics are kind of weird to me. Like I, I think because I think if. If I'm Boston, like, who out of this team do I really want to give up right now? And I, I don't want to, you know, become too much of a... Like, I, I know there's there's a lot of riding high on the Celtics' assets right now that maybe maybe we're, uh, we're just a little bit too close to what happened in the playoffs and we're overvaluing them. But 
the way I see it, if I'm if I'm Boston, is I've got Gordon Hayward who's coming off of an injury. Kyrie Irving, who's always had knee issues, and then I've got these two really good wings and a couple other nice young guys that kind of look like they're going to pan out. Do I want to trade any of those guys for another guy who is injury prone, who might leave? Like how many, at a certain point you have to hedge your bets with things like that because they could very seriously be looking into a future where if they trade for Kawhi, maybe only one of those guys is even healthy in the next year. But I'm okay with them giving up one of Hayward or Kyrie to get Kawhi. Because, like, I, I just don't think, like, we really celebrate what the Celtics did in the postseason last mm-hmm. year. But we have to remember they wheezed past a Bucks team that we know not to be that good. They beat a Philly team that completely fell apart in a way that was spectacularly stunning that they could not hit shots like open shots because they shot the same amount of open threes that they did against Miami, except they missed all of them. Um, and then they go to this, this Cleveland team that we, that we know to be not that good. About the Celtic stats on open jumpers. This is the thing you hear a lot. Shooting an open jumper versus the Celtics versus shooting an open jumper against any other team is a completely different proposition. And shooting is way more than the shot in that moment. It is about, is this guy close to me? Have we completely just, by the way, gotten into their heads yet? Because the Celtics rattle teams. They rattle almost every shooter. Like, I just, I think I'm past the point where I think it's a coincidence anymore that a whole bunch of teams keep missing open jumpers against them. That That's totally yeah, fair. They've been top, like, how many years now? Three or four years in a row? I think every, yeah, every I mean, this Brad is like, this is here. not... How many how many times is this going to happen before we stop thinking that it's random? Especially when you watch the way that they defend teams and like the way that just you get these little hesitations and block jumpers and just you know completely guys that look like they're they were good yesterday and now they're in disarray. Okay, that's totally fair, but a bit of a tangent, bit of a tangent. No, no, though. and I I, mean, I I think it's it it adds a lot, and I, I do think you have a point, and not all open shots are created equal. Basketball is not in a right. vacuum, so and I, I totally right. agree. Exactly, exactly. I don't. Know, I mean, I think I, I really like what Boston has, and like they're gonna keep adding stuff. I think if anything, maybe you trade. But you think they're close? Like you think that with what they have, with Hayward and Kyrie, they're close? Because I don't. They need a top yeah. five guy. No, I think they're close. They don't, I mean, Ky- they don't have a top fifteen player. Like how are uh, you? And Kyrie's I know that's a, semantics, but like Kyrie's a top fifteen player. Ish. <laughs> he's also like he's a, he's also a guy whose talents play up in the playoffs too. Like in the let's say oh yeah maybe if you look at the entire regular season maybe you can argue that he's on the margins of being a top fifteen player. But when you take a specific skill set into the playoffs, he's one of the highest value guys you can have. Yeah. I don't think it's particularly that like that very that close. There's very few guys in the league that you'd rather have in that in those moments. I mean, we just saw Western Conference finals and a finals that just had a bunch of isolation play, which is what Kyrie does better than almost everyone. Isn't that crazy how the league has moved to that? Yeah, it kind of, uh, it's, it's kind of boring. I don't like it that much. I hope, uh, I hope it's a quick shift. You don't like the, you don't like the Houston Rockets, uh, offense? No, I mean, that you forget, if it was just Houston, it'd be fine with it. Like, whatever. Like, we can, it's okay for one team to be boring as hell. But now, if it, if, if it's like seeping into Everyone's lame. the way Warriors play and like the way that Cleveland plays. 
I don't know if this is real, but somebody's reporting that the Suns are now minus 140 favorites to get Kawhi. Excuse me? Yeah. Uh, uh, it's that Dan Lifshatz guy. From oh, my Boston God. I hate station. that guy. <laughs> Man, don't give that guy a platform. Absolutely not. <laughs> you know, before the, <laughs> before the show, uh, while we were, while we were kind of setting up, I'm scrolling through Twitter, and I'm like, I bang the table, and I go, I cannot believe they just got traded. No way, no way. And Kristen and Nakars are like, what the hell's going on? And I'm like, I'm scrolling. I go, I cannot believe this. I'm so happy. And they're like, who got traded? And they're like refreshing their Twitter. I'm reloading Twitter so fast. I'm like, Kristen Press is again in the NWSL. She got traded. Kristen Press is my favorite soccer player. She's amazing. We were all very disappointed. They were so mad at me. <laughs> She's back. She's at the Utah Royals. Well. Reunited in the NWSL. Nobody wants my women's soccer talk. I have so many takes. I need a women's soccer. Hey, Ethan. Next podcast. Ethan, give me a women's soccer podcast because Whittingham's not talking about it on Pitch Invasion. He's only talking about the World Cup. I'm here to talk about NWSL. Give it. Give me one. I have takes. I have coaches I want to fire. I have players I want traded. Give me a platform. I want to introduce you to the newest podcast on the Five Reasons Sports Network. It is a soccer podcast. It's called Pitch Invasion. My name is Chris Whittingham. I'll be hosting it throughout the World Cup, and then we'll continue after the World Cup. But right now, we're focused on the World's Tournament. It is 32 teams battling it out for one trophy. I'll be recapping the games basically after every two days worth of action. So every other day, we'll be putting on a podcast, recapping all the latest action, talking about all the major storylines. We'll get some guests on, and we'll have a great time talking about this World Cup. It's been really fun so far, so you're going to want to check out Pitch Invasion. Subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Does Miami have a team? No, we don't. That would be terrible down here. Like Miami, why is that? Because like we li- like unfortunately, like Miami is hyper misogynistic. So like nobody would show up to like we barely show up to like men's sports, and like nobody's gonna show up for a women's soccer. Like they're playing um some European women's soccer clubs are coming, and I'm so excited because I get to watch Lyon play, and I know that I'm gonna be in an empty stadium and I'm gonna be the only one there, and it makes me so sad. Women's national team came to play in Boca Raton, which is like probably like an hour away from Miami. Nobody was there. And I'm like, this is like awful. God, I I went to I went to Boca Raton this uh, in September. It was one of the most beautiful places. It's nice. It's also it's like so an old, nice. old rich people society. Yeah, I was only there for I was there for the heat training camp. That's where they had it. It was uh, but I was I was by they had it in like the college though. So I, I yeah. think I, I definitely that's where they definitely played. missed uh missed the rich people. We see appearance of of wealth for sure. The, uh, but yeah, was... <laughs> that's a divider. Like. You either go to FAU if you live north enough, or you go to FIU if you live south enough. Okay. That's kind of... FAU has... I, I hate to admit it because I am a Golden Panther. FAU's campus is really nice. I can't yeah, believe I said that. Funny. It's really nice. <laughs> it's so nice. I'm so jealous. It was way too big, though, and it was really hot. And I was just like, I could not figure out for the life of me where uh, where the gym was. So that was... That was kind of tough. It's it always rough, hot. But... It was like a million degrees today, and we're not even in like the hot days of summer yet. We're still in June, and it was like we're See, dying. That was why I was originally thinking that maybe that would be like why uh, why you would want people playing soccer there, just because it would it would be like the most dehydrating experience oh, ever. Oh, yeah, and they want to put a they want to put an MLS team without a roof, and I'm like, you guys are crazy. Mm-hmm. Like people... that seems like a bad call. 
People don't even go to football games here without a roof. Like those those Dolphin and Canes games are empty, even when they're good. Like the Canes yeah. are good this year. Yeah. People only go to basketball games here. That's like the dirty secret of Miami. People only go to basketball games because there's a roof, and it's at night and it's air conditioned. Oh, that's so interesting. Like, that's that's why. That's so funny. Like we will we'll spend like all this time talking about the popularity of these different leagues and what they're doing, and all 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 along it was just because somebody has a roof and somebody else doesn't. Let me tell you, you something. Like, AC <laughs> sells. No, but come on, Gianni. How is not isn't not hilarious that all people complained about all this time was the weather, and then when they finally got them a roof, nobody showed up again. The Marlins? I mean, I guess they should have been. They shouldn't have been surprised, man. Like, this, I mean, unless you have, like, a perennial winner. Like, I would love to see if the Heat keep being mediocre for, like, two or three more years, what that stadium starts to look like. I mean, because, but they still draw. Like, it's not empty. Like, it's not, like, LeBron full, but it's still it's still pretty pretty decent. No, and honestly, I love, I love Heat fans in Miami because that upper deck where you have affordable seats is always filled every game. It's just the lower level where people mm-hmm. have season tickets that they just show up in the third quarter and don't give a crap. They also put a club in the arena, which is not a good idea. Uh, yeah, also true. There's so many things to do in the arena that nobody actually sits in the seats, which makes it look bad on TV. Yeah, Miami is an underrated, underrated fan experience for sure. You because are fine. audience is gonna love you. They're not the worst in the league. I mean, like we've seen New Orleans or Detroit, Atlanta. But, like Atlanta's horrible. But, like fine, Atlanta's not good. But even yeah, even when they were good, like even when they were really good, it wasn't great. And I mean, New Orleans has Anthony Davis, and they're like, screw it, we're not gonna go to these games. There are much, there are much worse bad experiences, and like, and I also I think I think sometimes teams get a reputation. And it just always sticks, whether it's good or bad. Like Toronto is way overrated as far as as far as their fans. Like the the building is rocking like three times a year, maybe. T dot. They have that one because the uh, the 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 that that one play the, the first like that first playoff run of Demar and and, um, and Lowry. They were everybody was outside in Jurassic Park. Charles Barkley was obsessed with them, and that stuck. And yeah, that's it. That's it. It was it was the one. It was because they were so much better than Nets fans, and like the newspapers got that <laughs> war. And then, That's and a then Kevin Gar- Exactly. I mean, like we're talking about Barclays, like the best place in in like America to transcribe an article. Like we're we're comparing it to 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 say that we're. we're Basically saying, like, because the rappers are better than them, that they have, like, some of the best fans in the league. I, yeah. I'm, pic- I'm picturing the Barclays <laughs> being, like, some kind of spa or something like that. That's a nice just, place, like, though. With, like, you know, aromatherapy and things like that. Just, like, you know, so I'm just chilling there writing up an article. Honestly, like, <laughs> as far as work experiences go, one of the best arenas I've been in. But that's not a good thing. <laughs> Barclay? Yeah, I mean, I could, I, I could easily talk to the person sitting next to me. Okay, you know, so I didn't quiet, need my yeah. earplugs or anything like that. Like I, I was able to concentrate on everything I needed to concentrate on. It's like a library. Exactly. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Darat, thank you so much for joining the program. Where can people find you again on Twitter and all your stuff so that people can check you out and uh, we can we can maximize this? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm on uh, I'm on Twitter at Damien Triller. That is my handle. A plus and name. A plus yeah, name. I don't know how we that didn't come up yet, but best <laughs> name on Twitter. Thank handle. you, guys. I appreciate that. I don't think it's a. I don't think it's long for the world, but uh, 
you know, you can enjoy it while we have it. And then you can find my writing at SB Nation. Thank you very much. Nikias, where can people find you? Um, you can find me right here on Heat Beat soon. Soon. Soon? I have content coming soon. Yes! I do. I have some free agent stuff coming up. Yes. So I'll be there for that. Um, you can also catch me at B-Ball Breakdown. Christian, your turn. Uh, I may again write one day. It is yet to be seen. Yes. But you can also find me on Twitter at the Maple Rick. <laughs> that, that, that's <laughs> is that the end? Are we done? <laughs> that's the end. That's the end. <laughs> okay, hold show. on. Wait, no. I want to ask one more thing real quick before we finish because Bill Simmons just tweeted it. And I don't want to promote him either. But this is a fun one. Fake trade: Cal Lowry for Goran Dragic and Waiters Island. Who I'm there that? for it. Let's go. I uh, yo, like I would I would do that if I was if I was the Raptors. Goran's so much younger than him, he gets paid less too. Nikaias, you have the last word on this show. What do you think? Yes. <laughs> Both sides are doing this? Let's do this. What are we waiting for? Riley? We're doing this. Riley, let's go. Ethan, do get him on the phone. Get it.